The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. Great to have you all along tonight. Mark Nelson, psychic medium, will be with us. We'll talk about his work in contacting the spirit world and how it all developed for him. It's a pretty interesting story. I'm looking forward to talking to Mark tonight. And the question is, when is the haircut in my future? Because it is really out of control. And I have to know, I, I you know, I watch other programs on television, on some of the major cable networks. They all look like they're getting haircuts. How are they getting haircuts when I can't get a haircut? Now, I know a lot of these people are based in New York City. I'm in New York State where we have to follow the same rules. New York State is under some specific rules, and one of those rules is no hair salons can be open or barbershops. So somehow they're getting haircuts. Um, do you think they've got people coming in like under cover of darkness to cut their hair? I, I don't know what's going on. But all I know, all I know is I'm desperate for a haircut. I've been calling this Hairmageddon. And as you see, each night it gets worse and worse. I mean, it's one thing to have longer hair, which I've, you know, I've done in the past. I've had a ponytail before. Uh, but it's another thing to have this long mess that has no shape, no uh know anything it's just big mess on the top of my head and i'm not going to do the bowl cut i refuse to i i I very very uh i almost came i came very close to grabbing the trimmers and just just putting on number two or whatever i don't even know i'd have to i don't know the number four and just going and just letting letting it fall where it falls (laughs) but i i refrained i think I think our hair places are, are going to be opening like June 1st, maybe June 15th. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check into that. I don't know if I can make it until June 15th. And I'm not going to do a man bun. No. No man buns. Not here. Not on this program. Not on this head. Please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. It's just uh, J.V. Johnson on YouTube. It's actually J.V. Johnson's Beyond Paranormal. But if you search J.V. Johnson, you're going to find it easily enough. We've got over 500 back episodes on the on the youtube channel that you can listen to watch whatever you want to do plus there's some bonus content uh in addition to that the podcast version of the show downloaded i think we get something like ten thousand downloads a day of the podcast version of the show might be more than that now but regardless if you if you haven't downloaded it you should find it and subscribe to it because it automatically gives you an opportunity to catch up on programs if you happen to miss one It's available on all the major podcast distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and all the others. The podcast version of the show is called Beyond Reality Paranormal. So look for it, subscribe on your smart device, make it nice and easy for everybody. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're excited to have our next guest here tonight. Mark Christopher Nelson is his full name. He's a gifted psychic medium with clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient abilities. He delivers accurate 
and detailed messages from friends, family, and guides on the other side. The details validate that it's really them and that the messages are truly real. And, of course, if you're a listener to this program, you know that these things are real. The messages consistently are positive and provide deeply personal insights along with calm, nurturing, and loving guidance. Mark, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's terrific to have you here tonight. JV, I'm glad to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is Thank you for having me on. It is going to hey, be. I heard you talking about your hair. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, got, I've got some advice okay. just right off the bat. Let's okay. get out of the yeah, way. Yeah, please do. Okay. First, I'm guessing that you're sporting kind of, I call it the pandemic pompadour. So, <laughs> That's a pretty accurate description, yeah. You got a pandemic pompadour. Well, do what my brother Steve did. He went, he called his old um, barbershop, and someone kind of surreptitiously picked up the phone and said, uh, hello? And it's like, yeah, hey, are you doing haircuts? It's like, um, walk through the liquor store next to the place, go in the alley, and I'll meet you there in 15 minutes. <laughs> Who'd have thought there'd be a black market for haircuts? Wow. Speakeasy barber cuts. I wow. mean, that's what it's, it's we're, we're reduced to this. We are. You know, and if it wasn't for the fact that I'm a huge Beatles fan and I'm starting to look like the Beatles <laughs> a la 1965, if it wasn't for yeah. that, I'd com- be completely upset about this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Beatles look for as long as I have to, I think. Well, a couple more days, and I'm predicting that you'll be able to go get a real live haircut. I love that prediction. That's the best thing I've heard all day. Um, you opened this by saying we're going to have fun tonight, and I'm I'm certain that we will. But I also mm-hmm. know that the beginning of your story uh, kind of started with a tragedy. Tell us how, yeah. how this all started for you. Well, I'm a little kid living in New Jersey, South Jersey. Uh, my dad had to go into work. This is going back um, quite, a, quite a ways, a couple decades. Dad goes to work, says, I love you. We see him come and go every day. And then the next morning, he doesn't come back. And Ooh. then um, we find out pretty quickly that uh, a police car rolls into our driveway. And I find out that my dad had walked into um, what was a, a, a mafia bar uh, in Brooklyn. And he was in the wrong place and the wrong time. And he was killed. He was murdered. And it was just, I'm the oldest of six kids. And my poor mom was, you know, holding a, a little baby at the time when she hears this. And we were suddenly, you know, cast adrift. And so uh, we struggled. We're raised Catholic. We're used to thinking it's like just, just do what the priest tells you what to do and you'll be fine. Then about a month or so later, I'm trying to act like I have a normal life. I'm not raking leaves. It, it's by now. It's in October. The leaves mm-hmm. are falling. And I'm thinking, okay, I just want to do this. And I look up, and I see my dad standing in the driveway. It's like, you know, I'm going, this can't be, this makes no sense. Right. Um, I, you know, I was at his funeral. I had a closed coffin. I never saw him again. And now I'm seeing him, and he looks pretty normal. And it's like, I, Dad, I don't know what I, 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 and he was just like smiling, being nice. And I, I mean, for clarity's sake, I could see him very clearly. He looked very real, like he was just there. And I turned away, and then he disappeared because I was freaking out. I'm thinking my little brain's going, my, I'm losing my mind. I'm cracking up. Sure. And then about a week later, or like a couple days later, I'm sitting in class, and we have windows in class, and I look out, and I could see my dad again. And I'm just thinking, I'm either like I have a vivid imagination. I'm cracking up, and I just said, Dad, please go away. And so I don't know what to do with this. 
And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you, forward, you, yeah, I'm you sorry. know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm a kid. What do I know? Yeah. You're not coached on, on how to handle the paranormal. Right. You were, you, you, know? were, you were old enough to know something weird was going on, but too young to have the tools to really deal with it. Completely. Perfectly. And I know that a lot of people who uh, wake up or are um, made aware of their ability, it, it often happens as a result of a tragedy. Well, that was the case for me. And then flash forward a couple of decades, I'm out minding my own business. I've, you know, my wife and I had moved to the Midwest and had a, we bought a new home. We had a little girl. And I'm just thinking to myself, God, I'm taking a walk at night and thinking, I wish my dad could have met them, could meet them. And then I hear this other voice in my head, dun, dun, dun. Um, I, I have met them. I have seen them. And it's like, all right, um, I'm having a benign schizophrenic experience or it's something else. And so my being, I'm kind of trying to have proof. So if you really are my dad, tell me something I don't know. And he told me, your brother Glenn is surrounded by green ivy and white walls, which sounds like, you know, code for like a spy to talk. So you hand him the the, the microfiche and something happens. But um, what occurred then is I called my mom up and not wanting to give myself away, saying that I'm hearing voices in my head because, and I'm not really supposed to because I'm just supposed to be this guy who makes a living in advertising and takes care of business. And um, I asked about, I said I had a dream about Glenn, that he was surrounded by green ivy and white walls. And my mom said, oh, that's fine. Did you talk to him? He just got a job at a place called Green Ivy, and, the white, and, it, and there are white walls in this place. It's like a little floral shop. So... That, so I started to take these walks and listen more intently for um, this voice to come back because I wasn't really actively cultivating it at the time. I was right. just kind of, you know, someone, you know, grabs me and starts talking to me. And I realized that, okay, he knows things that I don't, I wouldn't know. And so I started working with it or listening, taking walks. And I realized that for a lot of people, and it, taking a walk is like meditation. And I kind of put that together, I thought, all right, well, if I sit down, grab a pad of paper, maybe I'll get more information. And I did. And then I thought, all right, I'm either like, I'm all I'm getting stuff about family. I need to figure out if this is just me forgetting. My mom called me, I forgot about it, and then I heard it again, or someone told me, and I forgot. I needed to get out of that, that circle. So I went to a little psychic bookstore in this little town I lived in, and I said, I think... I'm psychic. Can I try reading someone? They let me. Um, I got this image of the manager's son who had just gotten beat up. The dad was, uh, her dad was actually taking care of him. And she was like, that's pretty good. Okay, you want to read for us? So I started to read for her. I you're, started well, to read for another just, shop. You just, kind of wa- you just kind of walked off the street and decided you were going to give this a shot. And you did it, and it worked. Yeah, well, you know what it was? is like I saw... John Edward on TV, and I uh-huh. thought, okay, he seems fairly normal and not crazy. Maybe <laughs> I'm not. Maybe I'm not crazy too. And so, I mean, I, I read one of his books, but I would hardly call it an in-depth, you know, immersion. You know, I I saw him. I saw how it works. I started scribbling notes in my own little pad. I've got a little notepad tonight. That's what. That's still my habit. When I read for people before they call, I'll sit for 20 minutes, clear my head, 30 minutes, depending. And I switch gears. I go from being this guy that takes out the garbage, fixes plumbing problems, does whatever, you know, and then I, I go to this. And that's, it's been a really magical, amazing 
spiritually uplifting experience for me. And I, um, so I did this. I started reading for people, and then I realized, I wonder if I could do this on the phone. People are saying, I can't get to the shop. And yeah. then I said, I don't want to read in the shop anymore. I'm going to read at home. I just feel like I, I wanted to see that. And then someone said, can you read on the phone? It's like, I have no idea. I haven't done it before. I mean, I'm literally like, imagine walking through a dark room with furniture, and you have no idea, and I'm just bumping into it. Yeah. But I, I got to the point where I realized, okay, the phone is incidental. Having someone in front of me is incidental. And then... I started reading out of the house, and then I got in front of, like, a large group at one point, and I realized I can do platform reading. It doesn't change the nature of how my process really works. And then I got a cattle call. I went, uh, we moved from uh, Los Angeles. I moved, moved from the Midwest to Los Angeles, where we had lived previously, and then someone gave my name to a production company. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. let's I don't know how this goes. And so, I mean, I'm, I, in a way, it's like I want to be better known so I can do more. But it isn't about like, hey, look at me. I'm very special. Watch me go. I'm a psychic. Con-, you know, it wasn't like that. It was more like, how do I get people to find me? Or how do I find them? And so I did this uh, pilot for Fox. And it was like 200 psychic mediums um, they, they interviewed. And then I ended up being one of the six that they selected. And then I ended up being the guy named Most Gifted on this uh, show. It was really cool. That is really, really cool. But you left out a big chunk there that I need to ask you about. You you did a fast forward a bunch of years kind of thing. What sure. What happened to you between you know seeing your the vision of your father and communicating with your father uh, to the point where you were on the walk communicating with your father? There were a bunch of years in there. Did, were yeah. you able to turn it off, or did it kind of recess inside you and 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 not really uh, show itself, if you will, and therefore you didn't really have to deal with it? Well. Yeah, JV, I went from like being kind of in a place out in New Jersey, even like uh, from ninth, we, we were living in Jersey, and then we moved to California when I was 15. And so I was busy being kind of a dumb teenager. Yeah. I mean, I, I also, too, I was very afraid of what I saw, and I didn't really understand how to do something with it. So uh, my, my mom and my teachers and other people, parents, um, my mom remarried a wonderful guy and blessed to have him in our life. But um, they always said he was so daydreamy in class. And it's like, well, no kidding. I'm looking at <laughs> ghost spot, you know, but I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah. You know, so I went from that to where um, I discovered girls and surfing and beer. And that kind of there put a go. little, you know, got in the way <laughs> a little bit. But then I, I figured out that, all right, I, I've always had kind of an interest in, like, the afterlife and, and spiritual issues, I've, I've always been very attuned to it. And, um, like, I was involved with, um, I went to college, and then I figured out, okay, I need to get more spiritual. And I kind of stumbled through a couple of different religious um, pathways, and then um, I ended up taking this walk. And, I mean, along the way, I mean, I did have some glimpses of it, but it was almost like a speeding car coming by. You know, and just missing you. It was like, what in the world was that? Oh, okay. And I truly think that spirit waited for me to kind of wake up and to become more attentive and more prepared. Mm-hmm. And I really think that spirit was helping me, was preparing me. And so when I was finally ready to, to deal with it, to clear my mind, to focus, it started to show up in a big way. 
I understand the fear component, and you referenced that when you were younger. That this this kind of scared you in a, in a way. And I have to tell you something. Um, I've I've lost my both of my parents in the last five years, and even to this day, I want to see them. But if I did see them, I think I would be frightened, if not scared. Uh, and, and what's your message to people? I mean, obviously, it's not something we should fear, but it, the natural reaction no. is to be afraid. Well. I mean, I've learned a lot, and it's a great question. I would say that if someone, you know, and this occurs pretty regularly, now that I, I talk to people almost every day about spiritual issues like this, their loved ones are going to show up whether they're ready for it or not, whether you're an 11-year-old little nitwit like I was mm-hmm. or whether you're going to be a mature person. It's still going to take you outside your realm of what you think is normal, your reality. That's what, we're, that's what your show's about. It takes you outside of what you think is um, an accepted reality. So let's say, um, J.B., your, your mom does something that gets your attention. It may not be a full-blown apparition. It's probably going to be more like, you know, you, get, you hear some music or you, hear, um, you, you, you smell a fragrance that reminds you of mom. And when that occurs, you might get a very strong feeling that it's like, I almost feel like she's here. Well, it's very likely she could be there. Mm. And so my advice is to not be afraid. They're not coming to scare you. They're coming to tell you that they love you, that right. they're okay, that, and they may have a more specific message. But they come to be of service to you. When, when someone crosses over, they don't stop loving you. They don't. They care, but, but their methods for uh, reaching out to you, to touching you, to being helpful, to being part of your life do change. That's ins- that's inspirational, and it's actually rather comforting. Comforting, and I appreciate you saying that. Tell me a little bit more about religion. Were, were you you said at a point you were trying to kind of trying to find yourself spiritually? Yes. Uh, were you well, were you not religious prior to that? And do you consider yourself religious now, or is it spiritual, or both? Well, it, it's a great question. I mean, I I mean, I have a cross up in my office. Um, I I mean, here's the thing. I really do believe in reincarnation, just because. I've had enough experiences where I've asked Spirit, where are you? Where are you? And it's like, I'm in between. Okay, well, if you're in between, and it's like you're not in heaven, you're not in hell. Um, in my early college years, I, I mean, I was in high school. I went to a Catholic high school, stuck with that. And then in college, I met um, other kind of Christian faiths. I ended up, here's the thing, I'm a psychic medium that used to be part of Campus Crusade for Christ. So I went out, and I was very much believing in this, and I had a very fervent sensibility. And then I started to get glimmers of something above and beyond, I mean, um, what was in the Bible. And uh, I I think that, you know, the Bible's inspired me in a lot of ways, but I also know now, you know, that um, I, I love things about Buddhism because it talks about reincarnation. I love, you know, there are other religions that... Um, make so much sense, and, and my sense is that um, all rivers lead to the ocean. The rivers are oceans, and the ocean is God. Or the rivers are um, the rivers are religions, and the ocean is God. Yeah, that's so, what that's what I was going to ask. Do you think that um, m- many of these, and I don't know that all of them, but many of these, particularly major religions around the world, are really just different interpretations of the same? Are part of the same spirituality? Yes, and and I would tell you too that I read for Muslims, Jews, Christians, agnostics, 
people who aren't sure, everybody in between. And they they just kind of, it, it, it's all the same. It doesn't matter. Whatever your faith was, you know, I, I have people in my family that had very uh, rigid uh, religious views, and then they pass, and then all of a sudden I'm talking to them, and they're like, hello, and it's like, hello, you know, and it's it's comforting. And But I would say that, you know, if you're comfortable being a Baptist, a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, just do it in a way that, like, honors other people. And and I just feel like that it, it all prepares you. One thing I have seen is that when someone has some form of religious faith, it helps them when they cross over. They seem to be a little bit better prepared for what's available, what's around them on the other side. Oh, really? So, so it is a bit of a preparation if... You, I think so. Yeah. You you get open to the idea that okay, um, there is a world that I'm not entirely familiar with. I believe that there is a universal energy, a life force, God. However you care to couch frame that you believe that there's something bigger than me than you, and they are there. And I find so often that when someone they lose a child, they lose a spouse, a friend, whoever it is, that they'll come through and say, oh, my grandfather or my friend, their good friend was waiting for them. And I find that really comforting because I would tell you, too, nobody dies alone. I mean, you may, like in this time of COVID, I hear all these gut-wrenching stories where people, their, their loved ones are passing in hospitals. But what I would share this message is that you may not be with them here in the physical, but on the spiritual side, they're being greeted and loved by people who matter to them. I need to ask you about that, because that is so important, and my personal experience uh, makes me very curious about it. I was with my mother when she passed, and for days leading up to the day she passed, and she was young and and she was ill, um, mm-hmm. but she kept referencing people in the room that weren't that I couldn't see. <laughs> and in many yeah. cases, they were people she knew that, that had predeceased her. And, um, you know... I wish I could have seen them as well, and obviously I couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. And some people say, oh, it's a trick of the mind. What's going on there, Mark? What's happening? Well, I really do believe I can. Uh, I'm going to share. Um, my father in law was very ill. He was um, at home, and I'm seeing, I'm standing next to him at the foot of his bed. He had come home from hospice to come home to pass, to die. And I get this, like, he has all these photos of his family members up on the wall. And I'm not looking at the photos, I'm looking at him. Then I hear it's almost like someone kind of nudges, comes up next to me. I hear, oh, you're Eddie. All right, who's Eddie? And then I just kind of milk this, my, my father-in-law. I'm, I'm saying to him, did you know someone named Eddie? He says, yeah, my, my good buddy, Eddie. He helped me get through a blizzard. And he, you know, he was, yeah. And, and then he says, he's on the wall. And he points to this picture on the wall, and there's another name written underneath it. And I said, this guy, and then it says, it doesn't say Eddie. He said, give me that. That's Eddie. And he scratches it out, and he writes it up there. So, I mean, to me it was interesting that if I had looked at it and just said, oh, look, there's a guy's name on the wall. I'll just use a <laughs> little parlor trick, you know, and right, I'll, say, right. I'll reference a name. But the name was wrong on the wall. And I heard this name, and it wasn't a name that, like, we talked about a lot. It was a guy that had passed, you know, decades ago, but was still fresh in the mind of this elderly gentleman who is about to pass. And so they are there. And, you know, you don't believe it? Okay, I say wait a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's it's rather convincing when you're when you're experiencing it with someone who is on that threshold, and mm-hmm. they're they're I mean they're comforted. You can see the comfort in their face by it, it and clearly that's the intention. Well, I believe that like um, our that God Spirit, uh, however the universe. I mean, I've used all of them somewhat interchangeably. I believe that it, we live in a comforting, loving universe. God does not want you. Spirit does not want you to pass in, into a dark, scary, horrible place. Even if you lived a life of questionable choices, maybe you hurt people. Um, I do believe that we all get to judge. We get to judge ourselves. It's almost like you get on the other side. You're still you. Um, I'm when I pass, I'm still going to be Mark. I'm going to still have my flaws, and but I'm going to be a little bit more cleaned up version. The reason is, is like our bodies. JV, what, how we look, how we act, are, are the things, what we've done in our life, they kind of, they do affect our choices. Call it ego, call it whatever you like. But when you get on the other side, you're no longer bound or uh, held back by your physical presence. So um, on one hand, you may not, you know, it doesn't matter that you were dazzlingly handsome or whatever else, or that you were suffering with crippling arthritis. When you get on the other side, that, that, that fades away, and then there's more of the pure you, your soul, your higher self. When you communicate with the other side, Mark, what do you hear? Is it is it the other person's voice? Is it coming through an intermediary like a spirit guide, or are you getting uh, telepathic uh, messages from uh, whoever the, the spirit is that you're trying to contact? I would say a little bit of all, and I'll explain. Sometimes... Uh, a thought pops in my head, and um, I don't remember hearing it. I don't remember reading it. I just have it. You know, I see it. I see little, but then there are also times when I see movies. I also do rely on my spirit guides, and I know that we all have them. You know, every religion has, you know, a protective spiritual energy, um, uh, someone assigned to help you, someone there to be of service, you know, guardian angel, guide, um, whatever the vernacular is that you're comfortable with, just know that they're there. And I say that you can find them if you allow yourself to clear your head, do a little med- meditating, take a walk, do some anything that gets you out of the, okay, I've got to get somewhere by 9 o'clock, the store closes at, at 10, or I've got to get to work, or I've got to write that guy a note. And, excuse me. So all of those things. So I would say that I can, and really I see pictures. Sometimes I see movies, I hear words. I get music sometimes that it's like I have to convey this. Or I'll get a feeling. Like I do medical intuitive work. And what that means is that, um, I mean, the greatest of all time was Edgar Cayce. And I do think that Edgar Cayce has, in spirit, helped guide me. And I'm just, I'm no, I'm just me. And, but I try to be available and if someone comes to me and it's an important message that say you know this person is suffering from cancer or this person has an illness um, please convey this message to them now uh, I'll also couch that and say speak to your doctor I'm not a doctor I don't pretend to be a doctor so but compare the information I give you to the information that your doctor is giving you and then use your judgment listen to the people that you love and trust most but if I can maybe be a little bit of a bird dog and point to something and say, you know, that may not be the issue. Can you look at this? Or maybe you're having a bad reaction to that medicine. Try that. 
Mark, does this uh, trait or this ability or skill, I'm not sure what you consider gift. Some people consider it a gift when they have these sensitivities. I would say it's a gift, yes. Yeah. D- does it run in your family, or, or are you the first to have it in your family? Well, what's interesting is that my dad, who died at 33, um, a few weeks, about maybe a month or two before he passed, he turned to my mom at just kind of an odd night, time in the evening and says, you know, if something happens to me, uh, George would be perfect for you. And George is a, was a friend of both of theirs. And he was living in New York City and there in Jersey. And it's like, oh, that, you know, what are you talking about? You're young. My mom was, just stop it. You're a young man. We've got plans. And then um, not long after that, he did pass. And then my mom ended up marrying my Uncle George, as we would call him. I went from calling him Uncle George to Uncle Dad to Dad. And it was... It was a transition, but my dad had a foreshadow of that idea that something could happen to me, and if it does, George is the right guy, and George ended up being um, the saving grace in all of our lives, and mm-hmm. and my dad brought him up before anybody knew anything. So that's part of what I, I do think that my dad had it, and again, he was even more um, less likely to pay attention. He was a very physical, hardworking you know, blue-collar guy, uh, generous, a good dad, and just trying to take care of us. So I don't know that he would have had time or the inclination to really listen, but I would say he had it. And then beyond that, I have, um, there really isn't anyone else that jumps out of my family that seems to have it. My mom mentioned that an uncle who had passed like 80 years ago, 70, it was like a long time ago, um, also seemed to have this ability. But that's a that's really it. When you um, first started to recognize that this was actually something that you could do to help people and help them, um, well, connect with people that they've lost generally, uh, mm-hmm. that must have given you a real sense of not only pride be, by being able to help folks in that way, but certainly a sense of, of, of purpose. Well, it really does. And, and I would say anyone that's wondering what should I do with this, this isn't for card tricks. It isn't for, you know, impressing friends, guessing numbers. Um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful thing. And that it, I find that if I don't share it, it's wasted. You know, it's like if you're, let's say, J.B., you had a great voice and you could sing and, you know, it would sound like angels singing. But if you sang in a room by yourself, no one heard it, it would be kind of, um, I mean, aside from your personal enjoyment, there wouldn't be, the the potential healing nature of it would be missed. So I would say that I, I kind of figured out I can do things with this. That and the other thing is that people would show up that it's like it, it would take my breath away, some of the stories I'm hearing, and I realize I have to get out of the way, let spirit talk, and be helpful. I mean, one of the first stories, one time I, I, it made me realize just how important this was. This is lovely little lady came to me in a, in a store, and, you know, she's telling me, do you see anybody here for me? And um, I see this guy that shows up, and he, he's like, oh, if he's not her boyfriend, he's her husband. And he says that, um, this guy says, I left an angel with you. I left an angel for you. And then he says, I, I was killed over a $20 bill. Someone killed me for $20. And so I tell this woman, and she just kind of, um, you know, physically, or, you know, she, she reacted very strongly. And she says, well, my um, boyfriend 
went out to get some milk for us while I was pregnant, and he was killed. Uh, all he had on him was 20 bucks to buy like a gallon of milk and some bread, and our daughter, I named her Angel. And so that's when I, like one of the first profound big moments when I realized, okay, um, I have to, I have to treat this like this is this is too important. This is something I have to protect, nurture, be a champion of, um, honor this this thing that comes through for me, and I I can't take it lightly. I mean, as you, when I started the show, I like to goof around and play. That's kind of just my default. I like to 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 tell you know I like to be funny, and I like I, but I I find that it helps disarm people and make them a little more calm, especially if we start to get into some heady big issues. But it's about being um, just aware that, you know, it just isn't me and you. There's a whole lot of other people here, and that sometimes you can't see them unless you look at for them in spirit. Uh, th- that's a great point. You made a great analogy. I do have to correct something, though, because you I know you were using a, a hypothetical example, saying if I had a beautiful voice and I just was singing in an empty room. My problem is I have a mediocre voice, and I force people to listen to me. So, <laughs> so what do you call that? Because that's something... I would call that a little rude. I'd say get a little self-awareness cooking. No, I'm... I'm being awful. I know. Um, it's true, though. It's true. No, no. You know what it is? It's like, I sing terribly. I don't have a good singing voice. And my, my, every my family, usually if I'm humming along to a song, they kind of give me a look that says, you're ruining this for us. Please stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I've had that look, too. I've had that look. Yeah, it's like, why are you making noise? The noise is not good. No one cares. No one wants to hear it. Thank you very much. Uh, I, what is what is psychometry? Am I pronouncing it correctly? Psychometry. Sure, sure. Um, what it is is the ability to read um, objects. Let's say if I was sitting with you and uh, I say, "Hey, throw me your watch. Let me hold your watch for a minute." The idea is that if you believe that um, we're all energy, quantum mechanics tells us that we're all energy. We, in fact, you know, at our if you look close enough. Um, table isn't solid. In fact, it's made of energy. The things that you wear, I, I appear solid, but I'm energy. And the thing is that if you look at, say, aura photography, you'll see that there's almost like a little glow off of us. Right. I think that's a, that's a glimpse of the energy that pervades us. And I think that the things that we wear, I'm looking at my watch, um, the you know, pen I carry with me, we tend to imprint on it, not unlike, say, um, Again, a musical performance is imprinted on digital um, media. And so what it does, so when I pick up, um, when I hold some, an object that belongs to someone, it kind of gives me a little tap into their, their energy. Um, I, I do think that this energy we have, are, it's like being able to wade in a little bit or to, to tune in to someone's aura and but as I understand, I'm going to get in over my head a little bit. But um, an aura is it's the um, it's the cumulative energy um, energy that that includes the choices we make, the people that we know, our accomplishments, our thoughts, our fears. It's all us in in an energetic form. And so when it imprints on something, it kind of helps me tune in. Like it really, I call it like a tuning fork, and that the energy you leave on your watch. Think of it as like psychic DNA. You know, you can't see it. It's there. And if, you're, if you get used to trusting it, you can read things off of it. 
Is this something you had to learn or teach yourself how to do, or was it, was it also an innate gift? I would say it, I had a, 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 a tendency for it. What I learned is that spirit will use whatever you bring to the table. If you have a musical sense and you think you're psychic, you might get more messages with psychic, um, with music. For me, again, I'll go back to my analogy of walking through a dark room where there's furniture laying around, and I just kept bumping into it. I actually... Um, the first time I saw someone do this, my wife, Barb, took me to see this wonderful psychic medium named Kenny Kingston in the Los Angeles area. He had been the, um, the personal psychic to Marilyn Monroe and some other very famous people. He learned that if you held something, that you could get um, quick information off of it. And so he would, like, go into a crowd, hand me your watch, hand me a ring, and people would do it, and he'd give them quick, on-the-spot readings in turn. I realized that I just wanted to try it. And again, it's like I'm easing out onto the ice. I picked up stuff. I started writing it down. Now I'm a faster read where I can hold something. I've done um, big events where people will come and I'll say, hey, if you want me to read an object of yours, bring it up to the table. I'm going to turn away. I don't want to see who owns what. I don't want people to claim that I'm, you know, pinning a, a certain ring to a certain person and doing a cold read. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see what it is. And so then I'm able to pick it up. I would start the reading. I would say, okay, this is what I'm hearing. Whoever owns this watch, this object, this, you know, this item, blah, 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 blah. Who owns this? Read. They'll raise their hand. I'll walk to them. I'll finish the reading, hand it back. And it's, it, you know, it, people say it's like scrying. I don't know if, you know if you've heard the term scrying where people will look into a bowl of water. They'll use it, it's a It's a form of divination. And but it's one that's comfortable for me. It's one I guess I've just learned to develop. Again, it's something that you work at it and then you start to trust it. Because everything I do is about trying to increase, maintain my level of trust in the voices that I get. So I don't edit, get out of the way, and just listen. And it works with psychometry. Obviously, you do readings remotely, whether it's phone or I imagine Skype or some of these other uh, ways you can do it remotely, um, mm-hmm. and, and you're successful at that. But having yeah. based on what you just said with psychometry, does that mean if you're standing next to a person and you actually touch that person, you can you get more uh, direct contact with their energy and therefore uh, have even more insight into them? Well, I generally don't touch strangers because they'll put you away for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people keep reminding me of that. I got, it's a good, yeah, good don't, reminder. Don't, don't do that. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. I'm going to save you some money, okay? <laughs> no, but, I mean, um, what I'll do is, like, I, I really do have the ability to turn it on and off. And it, it comes from, like, uh, I'm, I'm blessed where I, I mean, I, I had a family where I have to have, be dad. And then i got to be available for my wife. And then I have to go deal with clients. I can't, I couldn't all the time just have this thing kind of bumping around. It's almost like a, um, you know, what are those, a Roomba. I don't want a Roomba, a spiritual Roomba, bumping around the room saying, hey, don't go there. Don't knock that over. I'm doing this. So I learned to close it and then turn it off. But when I'm, I mean, I do the vast majority of my readings, I don't have an object to hold. Um, But what I will do is it's kind of a nice to have. If If someone sits for me physically, I can say, hey, can I hold that? You know, and I don't like holding electronics. Like, don't give me your phone. I don't want to, that's almost like there's 
It's almost like a buzz or static. static. I would rather hold your watch or you wear that necklace. It just becomes a focal point, and it seems really good. In fact, if there are people wondering, can I do this, my advice is, you know, pick up an object from someone that you know you love, and then listen if you get a message. Trust it. Pay attention. And I think you'll, you, you might find that I'm actually better at this than I ever imagined, or I got stuff that surprised me, and it's, and it's a wonderful thing. We're talking tonight with Mark Nelson, Psychic Medium. His website is his name, MarkNelsonMedium.com. Mark, just quickly, the website, a bunch of information there, I'm sure, probably how to contact you, how to set up consultations, that kind of thing? Yes. Again, Mark Nelson Medium. I do events. Um, uh, Thank you, too, for having me on your show. I love what you do. I pay attention to your other episodes and other programs. Wonderful. Um, and that I have a number there, but if you just send me a, a text or an email, um, you can text me on the phone on the, that's listed there. But if you start out on my site, there's a way to set up, and you can actually you can pick a time that you want to go, pay for it, and then um, you'll instantly be put on my schedule. But we refer to these things, and I, I, I hesitate to say these things because they're our loved ones, but we refer, refer to these visions, maybe, mm-hmm. as ghosts, spirits, whatever. What have you learned? What are we actually talking about here? Well, we're, we're ta- what, I'm ta- what we talk about is that when in the physical, like you're, you're sitting there, you're in a good place, I am too, um, our bodies kind of define us in so many ways, but when we cross over, I think it, I do believe that the word the soul is a good place to start, um, that I believe that we become spirit energy. I believe that, oh, in a very simple way, consciousness survives the body. Consciousness survives the body. So that um, your mom is still a conscious being. You know, my dad is still a conscious being. And so how they choose to present themselves we might find it okay if, if you're sitting if I'm if if you're my client and I'm sitting with you they come across as a very comforting spirit however if you go into a house where a serial killer lived and they are still there because they're unwilling to cross on, into what I would call the light then um, and many other people I mean we all you've heard this it, it's a it's an easy way for us to understand almost like the difference between there's a line between the physical and spirit. We, one side is the light, the other side is, you know, something else. And I do think that there are earthbound spirits, and these are earthbound conscious beings that, for whatever reasons they have, choose not to go to the other side. Um, a lot of times, um, if let's say if someone passes and they're confused, they're in an accident, they're in a battle, they can't accept what happened to them, they're unwilling to believe that they're dead. And so they put this barrier up that holds them in a place. We've all heard about haunted battlefields. We've heard about haunted homes um, where there's a negative entity that appears to stay. Um, I think that if you, going back to an, an earlier point I made, that if you're in a spiritually good place, you accept the fact that um, God's spirit universe is comforting, then you're going to be more inclined to go to that light. If you're a child and you, and you die accidentally, you may be unclear as to where to go next. Or, or if you're a criminal, you may be very afraid of being, having to face judgment. So you may be very content to stay as a conscious being 
uh, in spirit in a place that is familiar and you'd rather stay there than go somewhere else. And then there's all kinds of variations in between. So part of what you just said, I think, means that uh, this concept of good and bad spirits exists based on the personality of, of the soul uh, during its lifetime? I, I, here's the thing. I do believe that there is evil. I believe that um, maybe it's a holdover from my old Christian Catholic days, but I, I do believe that the devil is alive. Um, how we manifest or view or consider that is different, because I know that there are demonic presence. I, I I'm very fortunate to not yet, knock on wood, have to have gone into a, um, a home or residence, a place where there are demonic beings. I have gone into places where there are malevolent beings. There is a difference. Uh, demonic, uh, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion and experience, were never human. Uh, malevolent um, were human. They were... Uh, they they were people that hurt others on a regular basis and took some pleasure in it. And then, so I do think that that, that exists. And that, um, you know, the idea is that if you hurt people on a regular basis, you killed them, you did ter- you things that you and I might, you know, shudder to stay away from or, or, or understand the pain that they caused. You, um, these people might, after they cross, after they, they leave their bodies, recognize it's like, okay, I... I'm not prepared to, to, you know, to own up, to judge myself, to be seen in any way, shape, or form. I'm ashamed of what I did. A lot of them, I do think, feel that way, and but they won't say I'm ashamed. They just get a real kick out of being evil and doing things that hurt people. We've seen their shows. We've seen, we've heard, I mean, so many people have talked about running into very negative presences that are angry that you're there, they want you to go. I've had a door slammed in my face, I've seen things move across tables, I've heard the proverbial get-outs. Those are not the good spirits. Those are not the loving, happy, friendly ones that you want to meet. When did you start investigating spirits as part of all of this, actually going on what I would consider to be paranormal investigations? Well, it started out, I was, um, I I did a, I mean, you have to get in the right place to do that. And I first I did this show where I, I mean, up until I did this TV program, um, my, my thing was like, okay, come to me, I'm going to read for you, and we'll see. But then on this TV show, they brought us into a house where I didn't know what had occurred, and they said, something happened here. What do you get? And so I just, um, I, like, I like a kid around, and I say my psychic ability is like a floor wax and a dessert topping. You can use it for a lot. It's that old Saturday Night Live gag. You know, it can do a lot of things. And so I realized if I walk into a house and I have my head clear in a way that I would prior to a reading, I'm going to see things. So I started to see, I saw, I walk in, and I started to see this movie in my head of the mother of the home being stabbed to death in this room. And the production company basically taken out all the photos, turned things over, covered them. But I could see that, and that turned out to be the case. And then I, after I did that, I was doing other work, and then someone um, was watching me do a psychometry or just a, a psychic platform. I'll read for, um, I'll do platform reading where you get up in front of a lot of people and you just listen to spirit. They said, could you do something like that in the house? We have a family that is being, you know, like all the kids are afraid of, of sleeping in their own bedrooms. The parents... I mean, the house is in turmoil. The kids 
uh, only want to sleep with the parents and they're afraid. So um, they seem like very honest, reasonable people. Uh, these paranormal investigators, I went, I realized, okay, um, there is someone here. And actually he's not, a, it, it, I got the name, there's a guy here who calls himself uh, Wilson, Mr. Wilson. And they go, Mr. Wilson, oh, that's the, our old neighbor. He was kind of the neighborhood, he was a one-man personal neighborhood watch. He walked all around, he walked, he kept an eye on the kids. He was a benevolent, decent guy. No harm from anybody. And then one day he passed. But then he would come through and walk through the house, and it scared the daylights out of the kids. They, didn't, they couldn't see it was Mr. Wilson, but they saw things happening. They saw an energy, a field. And so I had to say, Mr. Wilson, please, you're, you're scaring the kids. Please don't do this. I know that's not your intent. Sometimes their intent is, yes, I want to scare the kids. I want to chase people out. I want to have, you know, my, I want to exercise control at other people's expense. But this wasn't the case with him. And I find that if you realize that you're dealing with a conscious being, that you can speak to them. And some are more capable of communicating with you than others. Some are just malevolent. Then there's other ones that are just caught in a loop. Some are confused. You have to say, you know, you don't live here anymore. You've got to stop bothering people. This is not your house anymore. Um, please go towards the light. And I, I describe the light as being like the, the place where our higher consciousness goes. It's the place where um, our soul, our higher selves, the conscious being that we are, it's where we go when we leave this physical plane. We go towards the light. And I think it's, um, I think it's real. I've crossed over spirits in a, in a range of places from, you know, a little kid that wouldn't leave this one place to soldiers stuck on a, on a place where they died as prisoners. Mm-hmm. And it's, you just, if you recognize that these were once people, you don't need to challenge them. I mean, also to, you don't talk to people who are victims the same way that you speak to people who were you know, hardened criminals and murderers. I have a personal connection to some of the uh, paranormal reality television shows, as you probably know, and uh, so I know what my opinion is of them, and you've been involved in many of them. Um, And we're now seeing kind of a second wave of these shows appearing and gaining Mm -hmm. uh, popularity again. What's your opinion of the the, uh, entertainment part of this, which was what I would consider most, at least the way they're presented, most of these paranormal reality television shows? Well, I think, you know what it is, is like, I, I understand, I mean, I've, I've shot commercials, I've, I've, I've worked in advertising, I know you have budgets, you have time frames, you've got to show up, you've got to be there, you've you got to go fishing. You're, it's like running a, a commercial fishing boat. You know they're supposed to be biting over there, we've got three days to get something, oh, they didn't bite, all right, well, I think some production companies, some productions will take a mountain and, or a molehill and make a mountain out of it, and then there's others that are that feel like you know I, I prefer you know when I see someone say you know what this place has we've been told it has a great history but we didn't find anything that was powerful or meaningful and then we have other people that I don't know that I trust that what you're presenting is in fact accurate or it's an extreme exaggeration but the thing is is like they want to entertain us they're telling us a scary story they're bringing us to a place that is you know, outside of our normal life, it's it's spooky looking, or it's or it seems fine, but terrible, crazy things have happened there. And so, 
you know, I, I think it's good to be skeptical, and, but I, and I think that there are a lot of people that do great work, and then there are some people that, you know, I would, I'm not buying what you're selling. I understand you're, you're trying to present a, uh, a perspective, and, but I don't really go for it. So it, it, it's a tough thing. But if you go in just to say, I want to have some fun, they're going to tell me some great stories, and they may have something that I cannot refute, and that just blows my mind that that happened. They got it. They got something cool. Good on them. Speaking of entertainment and speaking of uh, TV and or movies, let's talk about some of these stories that you've got related to Hollywood, because some of it sounds pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you want to start with that, but uh, all those names names that I saw are pretty impressive. Well, one of the, I mean, I kind of kid because it, I mean, I'm not personally connected to them, but it's like, I ended up going, I, I call it my blonde apparition tour. It's almost like a story where, I mean, it, I've been to a hotel where Marilyn Monroe's um, spirit seemed to have stuck around. They were trying, there was a, a landmark hotel in Hollywood just outside of Los Angeles, actually, where she used to stay in life, and I didn't know that. I try to actively not pay attention to where I'm going. As oh, we're going there. I, I don't want to know anything. And sometimes you know because it's just so much in the popular media, but I didn't know. And so uh, they told me that, all right, they, the, the workers can't continue to, to work because something keeps unplugging their power tools. They get locked out of rooms. And then I go to this place, and, I, and it's in the dead of winter. It's cold. And it's like I see this beautiful blonde lady in a white dress, very, you know, um, kind of ghosty looking, but she's, She's just very fair, and it's like, oh, that's Marilyn Monroe. And then did Marilyn Monroe have anything to do with this room? Yes, okay, Marilyn Monroe doesn't want you to go in there. All right. And then so I was able to, to, to help them understand that if you want to do this, you, get, you have to be respectful. You have to talk to her as if she were a being, like a conscious being. Um, uh, so they, they eventually were able to complete this renovation, but they had to, like, um, she kept locking their life or causing an electric lock to malfunction. So they had to use a key to get in the back. And eventually it calmed down. Then there was um, um, I, a friend of mine collects kind of memorabilia in Hollywood. And one, he brought me this little piece of black leather. It's like the size of your thumb, a piece of like pleather, leather, black. And he said, what do you get from this? And I immediately get, get this hit of this really pretty blonde lady putting on her, looking, you know when you see women doing their makeup in the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. and you see them doing their eyelashes and doing a little preening, and then it's like, God, she's like, my, no, it's not Marilyn Monroe. Oh, this is Jane Mansfield. I see Jane Mansfield. You know, I see a blonde, I said specifically, there's a blonde, beautiful 1950s starlet, early 60s, doing her makeup in the rearview mirror, and it turns out that black leather came from the car in which Jane Mansfield died in. And so, okay, that's a pretty good hit. All right, that was interesting. And then uh, another friend of a friend brought me to this home on Cielo Drive and said, what do you get here? And I said, well, I, this, is, this is Sharon Tate is here. And then um, more interesting, uh, Jay Sebring. I heard the name Jay Sebring. And, I said, and I'm saying Jay Sebring, I said, I had big plans. And then they got me saying that on tape and then this other voice saying it on tape. 
Let me flash forward real quickly. Barbara, my wife Barbara and I are watching TV the other night. And this is like kind of blows my brain a little bit. We're watching a little special on J.C. Bring. We just, oh, there it is. And then we both remember this experience I had. It's like um, J.C. Bring said I had big plans. And, and then Barbara said, I wonder if he would really say that. And then on our Siri, um, you hear the vo- you Siri comes up on like this device and says, yes. It's like, mm. I wasn't asking, she wasn't asking a question, but it's like, how did this Siri, I mean, how did this show up on the device? Right. And we, I mean, and so I, I think I've had kind of a, I've been to this property, Cielo Drive, uh, guy was very kind to let us go up there and, and do some exploring, but. That wouldn't have been David Omen, would it? Huh? Well, that wouldn't have happened to have been David Omen. Yes. Yeah. We've talked to him on the program before. Yeah, I've been up there, and the house, I mean, I, I can't say I haven't been up there in a few years, but he was very kind to bring us up. Uh, we, we had you know, very powerful, like, um, there's a camera on me in one room, and I said, there's, um, Sharon is here. And then they said, can you get Sharon to do something? And I wasn't thinking, uh, Sharon, can you uh, do something to the camera that's on me? And the camera turned off. And so they realized, okay. Don't ask her to do that anymore. Okay, I won't. But it was, um, anyway, David was very kind to let me go there. And um, it's a very interesting property. Yeah, it is a very interesting property. We've talked to him extensively about it. Some great stories. Um, We're going to run out of time here shortly, but I want to know about the ability to communicate for spirits themselves. Can all spirits communicate? And maybe not necessarily through you, um, but in one way or another? Oh, yeah. I would say that if someone in spirit wants to get your attention, they will do that. And again, if let's say you're attuned to music, you listen to music a lot, or you're a writer, or you're alone, they'll do things to get your attention. I got one more Hollywood story for you. Um, my dad, was uh, George, was a writer-producer, and he ended up working with this guy who was on Time Tunnel, James Darren. James Darren had a, a younger brother who passed. And so the family was it was in Philadelphia. They're all huddled around in, in this room after the funeral. And they're all, it's just like it was a, there was a quiet moment, and then one of the cabinet doors opened up, like in the kitchen by itself, and they all heard a voice say, Hi, Mom, I'm home. And so spirit, if they want to reach out and get your attention, maybe they'll open a door. Maybe they'll come to you in your dreams. Maybe they'll cause you to daydream. Maybe you'll get a tap on the window. I mean, any and all possibilities can and do happen. Um, one of our uh, chatters asked about um, dates, and I don't know if this falls within any of the work that you do specifically, Mark. Mm-hmm. But today is a pretty interesting date, 5 2020. Did, mm-hmm. Do you get any energy from that? Um, I. Uh, you know what I will tell you is I feel like we're um, on the edge of things kind of flipping. I feel like we're in this delicate balance. We're in this delicate balance, and I get the sense that things are about to tip. I think that we're going to tip towards the more favorable. Um, I mean, some dates jump out like crazy. 
um, ironically, my de- my daughter's birthday is the same day that they discovered the, the Manson murders. And, that, oh, and that's wow. kind of like, wow, that's kind of weird. But um, today's date, I feel like today, it feels like we're, we're in this balance. And it's going to change. I know you're in New York, and I know that, like, New York, New York City has been impacted. My relatives in New Jersey have all been hit many times harder than the rest of the country. My sense is that we're going to start to see things really um, take a turn for the better, not the worse. Good to hear. And I'm, and I'm asking people to see that visually happening. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I have a personal question for you, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. And I say it's personal. It's personal to me. Uh, I have several people in my chat room, and this isn't part of my show. But mm-hmm. I do stream video stream live on YouTube, and I've had some people talking about seeing somebody standing over my shoulder. I don't see anybody standing over my shoulder. But I will tell you this. On many occasions, I'd say probably a dozen times in the last year, I have thought I've seen somebody standing off to my right, and there's nobody there. Do you sense anything? I think that it feels like a male energy. It feels like a fairly tall guy. I do think that there is someone there. I do see him having kind of dark hair. I think he's very interested in what you do. Um, uh, let's see. Are you at home? Is there? Are you? I mean, everyone's at. I mean, I yeah. don't know if you're at home. I, my studio is okay. in my home. Yes. Okay. Because I feel like that this is a guy that it, he didn't pass in the house, but passed nearby. Again, dark hair. I'm going to say forty-ish. Um, I don't like middle-aged guy, but not thin, not small kind of big. I think that there is curiosity in what you're doing. Also, too, we're talking about the paranormal. He's a, a person in, in spirit, and I think that he's naturally interested. Um, um, I'm hearing a name, if you want to look it up, Gerald Gerard. I don't know if there's someone connected to you with a Jer, Jerry Gerard that you may have passed or had is connected to the house. Okay. Um, I um. I uh, I think it's my father. My father's name was Gary. That's close to Jerry Gerard. That's very yeah. similar. And um, he taught, gave me my love for for uh, music and electronics and and equipment, mm-hmm. and which led to my love of radio and broadcasting. And I would truly suspect him to be fascinated by what I have going on here for sure. Well, I, that feels right to me because he is close. He is not scary at all. He's just like tuning in. It's like this is cool. He feels like a fan. So um, Gary, Derry. I mean, that's. I'm not going to get the name perfect every time, but that's pretty darn close. You're real close. And it, feel, and it feels that, you know, he's, you know, there's an attaboy in that for you, okay? That feels good. That feels really good. Uh, Mark, we're out of time. Your website is marknelsonmedium.com. Anything else you want to share with people before I let you go? Um, know that your loved ones are there when you want to talk to them and that you don't need me to talk to them. Sometimes take a walk. Just find a, carve a little quiet space out, and they will be available to talk to you. It's been a pleasure, and I'm really, really glad you agreed to come on the show, and I hope we'll set up a time where we'll get you to come back at some point. It would be my pleasure. I'd really appreciate it, J.B. It was fun. Uh, and you're, love the show. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.